This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast, Episode 18. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast. I am so glad that you're out there listening. Um, So this week, this episode is all about sleep, and I'm really excited about it. Um, I spoke with Alana McGinn, whose website, Goodnight Sleep Site, is an incredible resource for parents for the parents of the world, raising babies, toddlers, preschoolers, school-agers, teenagers, all of us, information for all of us around sleep. Um, I am especially excited because I'm coming off of another amazing weekend. I got to spend time in Seattle at Grace. You may remember a solo show that I did that came out on October 5th around my experience with Grace in New York. Maybe you listened to episode 15 where I interviewed Krista Petty Raymer about self-care. So Grace is her workshop and she does it all over the world and I've been to it a few times because I deepen my learning and forward my intention and my practices for being the best I can be with support of what I learn in that training room. And we brought it to Seattle this weekend and it was incredible, incredible group of women. Incredible group of women committed to living wholeheartedly, living full lives. And this weekend my intention was around purpose and commitment. And you know, it's easy to stand in that when I think about the work that I do, you know, purpose and commitment to all of you and my clients that work one-on-one with me and the people that show up for my live workshops and the people that show up for the e-courses. You know, purpose and commitment is easy to stand in for me as far as the work that I do in the world. Purpose and commitment is not always easy for me to stand in in my personal life. 
And um, it's not that I don't stand in it, but I just feel like there's always room for improvement. And so as I dug into that this weekend, I began to really recognize um, my own. I just got clearer around my own self-care practices. And I know that what I put in my, my body, how I rest my body, and how I move my body changes the way that I show up for my family. And I've been in this long period of kind of uh, apathy, I guess, around that, around starting, around moving from knowing and doing, right? That's a crazy place of space um, that I know I'm not the only one that struggles with. Like, you know what you're supposed to do. You know what you want to do. You know what would be good for you. But man, taking that first step can be really challenging for a variety of reasons. Sometimes there's fear there, resistance to change, apathy. Um, And mostly for me, it is just this voice of, oh, yeah, I'll start that on Monday. I'll do it tomorrow. Oh, I'll do it. And it's just this thing that I know is out in my future. And the future is now. Right? The future is now. The declaration happens now. And one of the pieces that's huge for me is sleep. And especially the last few weeks, I have not been getting enough sleep. And um, no matter how much coffee I drink in the morning, um, it's not even so much that I'm tired. It's that I'm irritable. And I am really good at pushing that irritability aside when I'm speaking to a group of parents or by myself. Um, It's not so easy when confronted by the 12-year-old or the 10-year-old and their emotional experience or the husband, right? That's when my lack of sleep really rears its ugly face. So while we're not necessarily talking a lot about adult sleep in this interview that's coming up, um, we talk more about, you know, the, the, the sleep schedule, the baby stuff. Um, as well as the school-age stuff about how to transition our kids when it becomes time to sleep on their own, what self-soothing means. We talk about a lot of juicy stuff, but what's really alive in me right now is my own practice around sleep. And that filters into my parenting practice, absolutely, as a model for my kids, but also as how I show up for them. So as you listen to this interview... Pay special attention to what shows up for you around your own sleep pattern, around your own sleep routine, and consider making some new declarations, some new goals, some new routines for you. Is there a way to put a bath into your routine? Is there a bedtime that you could be committed to? How many hours do you want? And what opens up for you the next day when you have a great night of sleep? Those are the questions I want you to ponder. And I also want to um, to remind you, <laughs> that was a weird sound. I want to remind you that there's a contest coming up next week. I'm so excited um, about the, what, what should I call it? Maybe I could call it like the subscribe-a-thon. I'm having a subscribe-a-thon. It's happening now. Um, I want you to stop listening to the podcast through the website. I'm super happy if this is the first time you're listening and you found the link to the website. Yay. Welcome. 
I want you now to go to iTunes and I want you to search for the Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast and I want you to hit the little purple button that says subscribe so that you can be accessing every week that a new podcast comes out. It will show up on your device and it'll be easier to listen to and you don't have to do anything. You just get to wait and it'll magically show up for you when you've subscribed through iTunes. And to motivate you to do that, I'm I'm going to be holding a contest next week. I'm going to put out a little mini podcast, a little short solo show on Thursday, Thanksgiving. You don't have to listen to it on Thanksgiving. You can listen to it anytime between Thanksgiving and Sunday night of that weekend. And I will have some instructions there for you to do something to show me that you listened through iTunes and um, and I've got some swag. I've got some Joyful Courage swag that I'm going to be giving away. I've got some really cool trucker hats that I created and some really cute shirts. Like, it's good swag. It's not like a mug, although mugs are awesome. Um, it's good swag. So, yeah. So if you're not subscribed, do it. And would you do me a huge favor and tell your friends that you love this podcast and, like, post it on social media and show them how they can find it on their phone and just really support them. Um, because this, you know, community is strong as it grows. And I just want to, you know, ever, I want to increase our community. I want to increase the reach that we all have to all parents so that we can feel supported and encouraged and loved and nurtured and nourished, right? I want us to all be speaking a common language around love and relationship and taking care of ourselves. And I need your help. So I am hosting a contest. That's your action step for this podcast, as well as, you know, there's going to be some action steps that shows up that show up in the interview with Alana. Um, but I also want to make sure that you're subscribing to the show. Okay, do it. You'll be glad. It's easy. I'm telling you it's easy. I'll put the video in the show notes again. So, um, again this week so that you can watch it. It's short and um, educational. So now how about we meet Alana McGinn, senior sleep consultant at Goodnight Sleep Site and inspiration for those of us that struggle with sleep in any way, shape, or form. I'm really excited for you to get to hear from her. Let's check out the show. Alana, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. Please tell the listeners a little bit about your journey and what you offer to parents. So, uh, so good night sleep site. Uh, it's a pediatric and family sleep practice. Uh, you know, we work with families to better their uh, overall sleep health, whether that be dealing with sleep training for babies and toddlers, uh, or helping children and the parents themselves sleep better. Um, I began Goodnight Sleep Site f- almost five years ago now. I was, you know, a first-time parent to a, a beautiful, lovely little baby girl who just did not like to sleep. So, you know, as mm-hmm. a first-time parent, you know, you you hear about sleep at, at your, you know, your prenatal classes and stuff, but you have no idea what you're getting into until you're in the throes of complete sleep deprivation. And, um, you know, I, I just started doing my own research and my own readings and, um obviously took took my passion to the next level and, and really enjoyed doing it and just started kind of helping friends and friends of friends. And 
um, eventually did get certified um, and then started Goodnight Sleep Site when I was pregnant with my twins. So um, kind of, uh, you know, birthed them and birthed my my business too. So uh, now Global uh, Goodnight Sleep Site is a global sleep practice. We have 17 sleep consultants worldwide. Uh, I'm also the director for the International Association of Child Sleep Consultants and uh, a faculty member at the Family Sleep Institute. Awesome. So you know a little bit about what you're talking about. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> so what are some of the biggest myths that you hear about sleep? Because when you were talking about, you know, you have this baby and then you have a baby, you know, you find that your baby isn't sleeping very much. Like yeah. my least favorite question is, oh, do they sleep? Are they sleeping through the night yet? Yes. And it was so empowering for me to read that that really means like maybe a four or five hour stretch with right. some breastfeeding That's or right. nursing or, or bottle, whatever, yeah. you know, and then back to sleep. So yeah. what are some of the big myths that, that come up for you? So, I mean, the, it depends on the age, right? So for parents um, dealing with, you know, baby and kids sleep, it's that, you know, you also hear, oh, you know, you're never going to sleep again. So, you know, for <laughs> yeah. pregnant moms, it's sleep awesome. now. Like, that's awesome can't. advice. <laughs> Isn't it? It's always great to hear that. Right. Um, you know, and that's just, that's, you know, we know as parents that that's not true. You know, mm -hmm. you can put plans in place once, you know, your baby is, is old enough and, or your child, um, where you can all be a happy, healthy, well-rested family unit. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it's also the sleep needs, right? So it's, uh, I, I remember being that first time parent and thinking, not understanding the biological differences between a baby sleep as compared to an adult sleep. Mm -hmm. So, you know, keeping my baby up all day will help my baby sleep better at night. Um, and we know that that's not true. That doesn't work the same as it works for us. So, mm -hmm. you know, sleep equals sleep. Um, so I would say probably those are the two biggest myths that we'll never sleep again and, and not fully understanding the sleep needs of our, ch of our children. So, okay, good. I'm excited that we get to dig into this. So my kids woke up frequently in the night. Yes. Um, they both co-slept and breastfed on demand. And I was really at a loss as to how to help them, them or myself get better sleep. Mm -hmm. And they seemed pretty well rested. I didn't really run into a lot. I mean, looking back, perhaps I was just attributing some of the mischief to other reasons, but it could have been around sleep. And mostly I endured because I didn't know what else to do. Yeah. And I was super uncomfortable with some of the extreme theories out there. Like, you know, I, I and, and, you know, there was one, what book was really helpful? The No Cry Sleep Solution, although by Paley, is it Elizabeth Paley that Elizabeth wrote that? Pantley. Yeah. And I, and that was great, except for it was so involved mm -hmm. that, but mm -hmm. I took pieces from it that were yeah. helpful. Um, do you find that a lot with parents that they're just so overwhelmed that they just kind of power through and endure what they've got? Oh, definitely. Totally. Um, you know, I think it's, it's important for parents to understand that there's, there is no one way method or plan, right? Mm -hmm. And you just said that you took mm -hmm. pieces of, a philosophy, a method that you felt comfortable using with your family and mm -hmm. incorporated that into your your child's sleep. Um, so, you know, we help many families with different goals. So right. it could be transitioning from bed sharing or, you know, stopping night feeds or lengthening naps, reducing bedtime battles. So it's important to have a plan in place that parents are comfortable with so that they remain consistent, right? Because if they're not comfortable using a method, they're not going to be consistent with it. Um, right. And consistency is key. I mean, that's something that that we know. Um, but you know, parents also need to realize that that change do need does need to happen. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be hard. You know, change is never easy. Um, and it may be, you know, the, the changes that they don't necessarily want to make. Um, but, you know, we, we help them kind of understand and educate them that in order to have that end goal that they went, they want, these changes need to happen. Right. So, yeah. so then it comes down to, are they ready to make the changes? Right. Um, and if you're not ready, uh, you know, it's not going to work. So, mm-hmm. and then I also find parents need the accountability. So mm-hmm. they need someone to check in on them, you know, guide them through the process, tell them that the decisions they are making are okay. Sometimes reading a book, reading the internet, Googling, it doesn't oh give you that. No, it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so and I, I think, you know, and, and, and I appreciate that. I especially appreciate that it's not a one-size-fits-all and it's about exactly. the family values because I really believed in co-sleeping. And I also recognized that our co-sleeping arrangement was making it more challenging for me. And that was and I and and that was okay. Does yeah. that make sense? Like, yeah. you know, in the nursing through the night, I was okay with it. And I also recognized, well, this is part this is part of, of why this is challenging. So I think that listeners, I'm sure, are feeling, you know, like a, a kind of a sense of relief because I think that it's good to know that the pieces that are really important to us can be maintained. But like you said, a plan of action is the first step towards creating, you know, a system for your family where everybody's getting more sleep. And I think as soon – what I notice about parents in my work is as soon as they create – just in the creation of the plan of action, mm-hmm. there is movement in that direction. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, I, I always say if, if what you're doing works for you, then who am I to tell you to change it? Do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. if what you're doing, if if co-sleeping, I mean, as a sleep professional, I always, I obviously have to encourage the safest sleep environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, that being said, co-sleeping is both bed sharing and room sharing. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you're bed sharing, you know, we have to make sure that, that they're following the safe sleep practices yep. Yep. in bed sharing. But if bed sharing, and you are doing that, if bed sharing, if, if you know, providing feeds throughout the night, if that works for you and, and mom is feeling well-rested, um, baby is well-rested, uh, and, and again, you're able to function as that happy, healthy family unit, who am I to tell you to change it? But mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's the parents that are coming to me are ready to make those changes. Right. And whatever they're doing isn't working anymore, right? So it's, it's then when we, we put that plan together, um, and, and educate them on why we're taking those steps. Right. And, and, you know, that's funny because, and I think we're not always sure what we want and what we don't want. One of my, uh, a member of, of my parenting community wrote in when I said I was talking to you, she wrote, how do I stop co-sleeping with my three and a half year old? And then she wrote, I actually don't mind the co-sleeping. Just the fact that I have to lay there for an hour to get him to sleep. I wish he could fall asleep on his own. So mommy had some time in the evening. So even in that comment, you can hear kind of the rub. Yeah. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well-being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 
35 different meal choices and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first First box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. Hey friends, as a podcast listener myself, I always get so excited to share when I find a new show that I think is super useful. So today I want to tell you about Understood Explains. This is a podcast that tackles one important topic per season. And this season is all about navigating individualized education plans and is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. Getting the support our kids need in school can feel tricky, and we aren't always sure what it is that they need. When I listened to the episode titled, Does My Child Need an IEP? It offered up so much useful information that I could really see supporting parents who are in this consideration. The host is so knowledgeable and really breaks down the content in a way that helps listener go from completely overwhelmed to actually starting to feel empowered. Other episodes in the series highlight the difference between IEPs and 504 plans, as well as a whole episode that busts common myths about special education. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Understood Explains. So check it out. You won't be sorry. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's a a lot of parents don't mind doing what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But they would, they would, they're hoping for something else. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's again, putting that plan in place and that plan is, it's, it's made of, of so many different pieces of the puzzle other than just the method. And that's what we often think of. So when we're talking about a three and a half year old, and I think rather whether they're in bed with you or in the room with you or in their own room, when I think of my three and a half year olds who by the time they were three and a half, they were sleeping in their own space, in their own room, and they and it wasn't all night long. We mm-hmm. had an open door policy, but you you know what the direction we went to was well you start you get you're gonna start in your room. And even that was a process, just the, the bed that we had the routine, we had, we'd lay down, we'd read books. Like what kinds of ideas do you toss out to parents who are just ready for that togetherness, the end of the routine to not take an hour? To not take an hour. You mean yeah. for bedtime? Yeah. And not necessarily the whole routine because I, you know, I'm a strong advocate of bedtime routine starts the minute we all decide to go upstairs. Yeah. Um, yeah. But just that final step of, okay, we've read stories. Maybe I've sung a song or two, especially when they were three and a half. And now I'm ready to get up. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, you know, I always say the differences between dealing with a three-year-old and say an eight-month-old. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that we have to look at the fundamentals. The fundamentals are the same in, in healthy sleep and in independent sleep. So, you know, are we working with an environment that's conducive to sleep? Um, are we following an age appropriate schedule? So if bedtime's too late, and that's often an issue that we see is kids are just going to bed way too late. And I get it. We all busy lives. Parents are getting home from work by the time you get dinner on the table and eat. And suddenly, you know, kids are just going to bed too late. And at that point they're overtired. Um, and you know, overtired kids aren't kids who are falling asleep easily. Um, they're wired. They've gotten their second wind and mm-hmm. they're showing you those signs that they're just not ready to go to bed. So is is bedtime age appropriate? Um, are we following a consistent calming bedtime routine, as you mentioned, the importance mm-hmm. of that? And that that is hugely important. So all those are the same, okay, we're, when we're whatever age we're dealing with. Right. The difference when we're we're getting into toddlers and preschoolers is setting those boundaries and setting those limits. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first step in doing that is communication. So a three and a half year old is able to understand what's expected of them in terms of bedtime. Mm-hmm. Um, is able to understand the importance of sleep. So let's let's talk about it. You know, let's not just say you have to sleep, but why do they have to sleep? You know, we say why you have to treat others with kindness. Mm -hmm. We say why you have to eat your fruits and vegetables, right? Mm -hmm. So why not, why, you know, why is sleep important to you? How does sleep make you feel? How do you feel when you've had a really good night's sleep? How does mom and dad feel when when they've had a really good night's sleep? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, how does it feel when you haven't had such a good night's sleep? So once they understand um, the importance of sleep and why they need to go to bed when they need to go to bed, they're more likely to kind of follow suit. That's not the be all and end all by any means. Um, but parents also kind of have to take that control back a little bit at bedtime. Yeah. Well, and, and what's coming to mind for me is just that not only the conversation around sleep, but also not being at bedtime, but throughout yeah. the day, but also saying, you know, like kind of, what do you think about guiding them into it? So, okay, tonight, you know, for the next three nights, I'm going to wait. You know, I will lay with you for 20 minutes. And then the next three nights, I will lay with you for 15 minutes and kind of slowly yeah. taper off that time so that when it's the five minute, which I think is really okay. I mean, I think there's a lot of crazy thought. I think it's overtired, but I'm wondering like that whole sense of abandonment, you know? I mean, yeah. it's the end of the day and, and all of a sudden you're being left alone and, mm-hmm. and you're three. Yeah. And you don't. I mean, there's a lot of methods that you can use. And yeah. that fading, fading away method is, is a great one. Okay. Um, you know, you can do it that way again. But that's, again, bringing it back to communication. Right. 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 So this is how it's going to be. This is how it's going to be. Right. These are what the expectations are. So no matter what method you use, um, communicate to them. Don't just kind of surprise them with it and just say, hey, guess what? You know, I know I've been laying with you to fall asleep for the past three years. And tonight <laughs> I'm just going to leave. <laughs> do you right. know what I mean? Like, of course, they're not going to respond to that very well. So, I right. mean, um, it's going to increase that anxiety. So, um, definitely, you know, again, opening up that communication, no matter what method you use. And you know what I love about the what happens kind of um, the umbrella effect, or maybe that's not the right term, but it's also I'm hearing a lot of relationship building, a lot of I see you, I hear your needs, I see your needs, and yeah. here are my needs. I'm hearing like the, that kindness and firmness show up in that, which. You know, are so awesome and important. So what about infants? 
right? Yeah. Gosh, I wish I knew you when mine were infants. How? What do you recommend <laughs> for my listeners with infants? Like, you know, we hear self-soothe and we also feel like we want to protect our brand new, or not brand new, but our little babies. We, won't, we want them to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, I'd like to kind of, in terms of self-soothe, I mean, I know that's such a, a hot button topic. I like to instead not say self-soothe, but just to say, just to, to change that term to capabilities, to show okay. that our kids are capable of doing it. So forget self-soothe, you know? Yeah. Um, okay. You know, forget you it. can, sorry? I'll for, I'm forgetting self-soothe. I like yeah. that. I like that. Um, so just, you know, to show that our babies and our kids are capable of doing it means the world to them, right? Mm. So, so, you know, we have to, you know, first one thing when we're dealing with infants is to make sure that it's age appropriate steps and that right. it follows their parenting philosophy. And regardless of whatever that philosophy is, if a child's being raised, right, in a loving um, attachment filled home, whatever route you're going to take is not going to be hurtful or harmful to to your child's attachment with that parent. Okay. okay. Um, sleep training, and like, I, you know, I know I mentioned it before, but we have to remember that sleep training, it's more than just choosing that method. Um, mm -hmm. And unfortunately, that's what's given it such a bad rap that as soon as we hear that term, and I also hate that term, sleep training. Yeah, I hate that I mean, term. I know, but like it is poppy. what it is. It's like, it's, yeah, it, it makes is. me think of dogs. I know. Um, Although I would love like to put them in a crate yeah. a few different times, but. <laughs> Well, sometimes the crib, the crib can be. Yeah, it's like a huge crate. <laughs> um, that's why I always tell people, you know, don't do the bed transition sooner than you have to. Keep them in that in that crib as long as you can. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when we hear the term, it's, it's we automatically think, okay, what method do we have to choose? Do we have to do cry it out? Do we have to do no cry? Right. Um, you know, but it's important to look, like I said, it's sleep training. It's a four-piece puzzle. So unless all of those pieces are in place, the method uh, actually, you know, being the last piece of the puzzle, the plan isn't going to work. So I have a lot of parents that have co that come to me and say, uh, you know, I tried cry, cry it out and it just, it didn't work. But if we're not focusing on the other pieces of the puzzle, mm -hmm. it's not going to work no matter what you do. Even if you try a no cry, it's, mm -hmm. it's not going to work. So before even starting the puzzle, we need to know if this is the child old enough. So mm -hmm. are we taking age appropriate steps to mm -hmm. start a formal sleep training plan? Um, and then we need to look at each piece of the puzzle. I don't, do you want me to get into each piece? Well, so yes. And I, so it's so funny, the experience that I'm having right now, because as I hear you talk about cry it out and then mm -hmm. I hear no cry and my arms are literally extended. Yes. And that's such a huge continuum. Mm -hmm. And it's so common for us to think we either have to do it one way or the other and forget that there is so much. So much. In that range in the middle. Yeah. I think we and do that often, with a lot of, of our parenting. I mean, it's very either or. Yeah. Mindset. So. Um, and, and again, it's, it's just, it's just knowing that, right. And, and often everything that we do, like you said, in the middle mm -hmm. often can, it can mean that we don't have to choose a method because that in itself, you know, what we do during the day affects night and what we do at yeah. night affects during the day in terms of sleep. So sometimes just making certain tweaks and changes throughout the day, suddenly, you know, the issues that we're having at night go away and we don't have to choose a method. Yeah. So, you know, when I'm working with parents, the last part of our consultation the last 10 minutes is talking about the method. So that just shows you everything else that's involved in it. Yeah. I would love to hear some of the steps. So I yeah. I think the so listeners I, would too. 
Of course. So the the first thing to know is, you know, is your child old enough? And mm-hmm. I, and you know, going back to the mess and and I always say probably the biggest mistake I think that new parents make is they start and when I say a formal sleep training plan, that means, you know, dealing with all the pieces of the puzzle, okay? And, right. And you've and, just decided that it's something you're gonna focus on. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um and they started too soon, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, when we're dealing with that fourth trimester with with babies, biologically speaking, um, their internal sleep rhythms, their, you know, our circadian rhythms, our biological clock, it's not developed enough yet to be put on a schedule. Mm-hmm. And you do have those parents that want their their kids on that routine, you know, those set wake times, those set nap times, those set bedtimes. But if you're starting too soon, biologically speaking, it's impossible for that to happen, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, you know, the plan doesn't really go into place and then parents get discouraged and then they give up and then sleep training didn't work and that's just that stigma that just kind of sticks right so viral yeah yeah making sure that the child is old enough um you know anywhere between four to six months is is age appropriate depending on when baby was born if baby Mm -hmm. was early you have to factor that in you know as well right and then the first piece of the puzzle would be the child's sleep environment so is it a consistent sleep environment? Is it a safe sleep environment when we're dealing with the the little babies? Mm-hmm. Um, is it conducive to sleep? So, you know, cave-like settings, dark, quiet, cool. Um, you know, that really factors in both for night sleep and especially for naps mm-hmm. as well. Um, and then our, the next piece of the puzzle would be the consistent schedule for naps and, and babies. So once we can start putting them on more of a consistent routine, mm-hmm. um, hitting those, those, those times for naps, um, can really help kind of sink them into that restorative sleep and sink them into help start stretching out those naps. That's a common issue is lengthening out those cat naps. And do you uh, talk do you talk to your clients about, you know, paying attention to the rhythms that the baby is showing them as far as like when they want to sleep and yeah, so we we Good Night Sleep Site works very much with the science of sleep, so the biological timing of sleep. So we do work with the cues, like you were saying, mm-hmm. so okay. watching the cues of your child. But then we also do watch the clock too. Yep. Um, so we do work on a clock-based plan as well. Okay. Um, I love that. I love that holistic. I'm hearing a lot of really thoughtful, holistic mindset coming up, happening here with what yeah. you offer. That's just it's- great on the child it depends on the child it depends on the age too right Mm -hmm. so um you know a a six-month-old will have a slightly different schedule than say a 10-month-old not Mm -hmm. not I'm gonna be honest not a huge difference but Mm -hmm. slightly different so you know it's it's you do still have to watch those cues um but we also want to make sure that we're syncing their sleep when their body their natural clock is telling them to be sleeping because that's when they're going to get the best restorative sleep possible. That's yeah. when those naps are going to lengthen out. And that's when they're going to start chipping away that sleep debt that might have been accumulating. So that's when we have to look at the clock a little bit more. Too. Yeah. Um, and then work with regular bedtime routine, as we talked about, is always important. So, um, you know, doing, uh, practicing that calming routine and and doing kind of the same things. It doesn't have to be the exact same things every night, but doing, you know, the same kind of um, activities at night, you know, it, it helps prepare them for sleep and it helps cue them that sleep is coming next. Um, and then working with, you know, an age-appropriate bedtime. So making sure that baby and child is going to bed early enough, as well rested as possible. Um, it just helps that alone. You know, I always tell parents, if you can take away anything, bump up that bedtime. Um, Because that alone can help with some of those night wakings that they might be experiencing. Do you have a PDF or or a blog post or anything where you highlight um, age-appropriate bedtimes? 
Um, you know what? If they go on to if they go on to goodnightsleepsite.com, we have uh, blog posts. So we have baby sleep, toddler sleep. We even have adult awesome. sleep. Um, and there's a lot of great information there that they can check out that um, will go into more detail than kind of what I'm talking about today for sure. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. And then, and then the last thing is then choosing the method. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of methods that, that, you know, you can choose from. Um, there's a lot of methods that are out there. So do the research, you know, find the method that works for your family that you guys are comfortable using. And as you said, if you have to take bits and pieces from one method, um, and you feel confident that you're able to kind of take that on yourself and do, mm-hmm. um, then do, but you know, that's kind of where we come in is we kind of help you develop that plan and help you yep. create that method. And then support you throughout the process of it. Love that. So what, and I know that you have a whole new initiative happening um, through your work at Goodnight Sleep Site around hashtag bring back bedtime. So I love talking about bedtime routines and we were talking before we started recording just about how I think that we as parents, I mean, bedtime routines for people with kids under five, they're like, well, yeah, of course, bedtime routines. But then as our kids get older, we have this idea that we should be able to just say, oh, from the couch, right? Yeah. Okay. Head on up to bed. We love you. (laughs) Yeah. And then that's not what they do. You know, that's that or apparently for some people that happens. It doesn't happen in my house. Right. Um, so tell, talk about bedtime routines. So, you know, we're just, yeah, I, you know, as I said to you before, that bedtime is like the, you know, the, um, the goal line for us. It's like just getting to that bedtime. It's oh, just yeah. the end of the day. And it's just like, we just, you know, even p- dealing with parents of toddlers and babies, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like, just get me to bedtime. You know, mm-hmm. that's, I just need them all to go to bed. And, um, I know we kind of talked about three-year-olds, um, you know, providing that, that I always say, give yourself about 30 minutes to have a nice calming bedtime with your child. Cause providing that one-on-one mm-hmm. solid attachment time, um, at bedtime might diminish some of those wakings at night where they, now they don't feel like they need to have that one-on-one with you at night because mm-hmm. they've had it at bedtime. So, mm-hmm. you know, also look at it as a little tool, um, to help if you're kind of struggling with any, um, with any night wakings, but basically bring back bedtime. Uh, it's a long-term movement. Um, that we created to increase the public awareness um, of the importance of reestablishing a bedtime routine between parent and child, but you know what, also between parent and parent Mm -hmm. and between the individual. So to bring back your own uh, bedtime routine, um, just to better connect and build the attachment with our loved ones, uh, you know, while at the same time promoting proper sleep hygiene for the entire family. So, you know, we live in such a busy world. Our days are blurs. Often families are kind of, you know, parents are kind of two ships passing throughout the day. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, with our older kids between activities and school and and this and preschool and picking up from daycare and, and doing all this, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. Yeah. And, and finding that balance isn't easy. Um, So bedtime routine and, and just the moment at bedtime is an opportunity for all families to slow down. Mm-hmm. disconnect, to come together and to, to fill that attachment that, that is sometimes impossible to do throughout the day. Right. So, yeah. um, it's just bringing it back and it doesn't have to be, it could be, you know, we, we created bring back bedtime, um, as a free resource for parents because it shows that there's different activities that you guys can do at night, um, with your kids, between partners, again, between the individual, 
um, that can help bring back that bedtime. And it could be, you know, coloring with your child, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, starting a book club with your child or with your partner Mm -hmm. at bed. It doesn't, you know, with adults, it doesn't have to just be sex and sleep, you know. Um, Although it's important to be having sex, everyone. I just want to put that out there. Absolutely. (laughs) But, I mean, let's be honest. We don't want to necessarily be doing that every night sometimes. No, we don't. (laughs) But you can still have that connection with you. Right. It doesn't just have to be, okay, good night. And, you know, dad's on the couch watching TV and mom goes upstairs or vice versa. You know, you guys just turn off the lights and no talking and go to bed. Um, there's different things that you can do. You know, one of my consultants wrote a blog post on creating a, a playlist and I thought that was such a good idea, you know, mm-hmm. fill your playlist with songs that bring back memories of the two of you and discuss those memories and talk about them. You know, when do we get a chance to do that during the day? Yeah. So bedtime's a great opportunity to do that. So, and you know, I... Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. I often tell parents too, and because I notice it in my own house, when bedtime starts to become something that I dread because my kids are dragging their feet or fighting with each other, I come back to the idea that behavior is code and I start to remember that probably what is happening is the kids are feeling disconnected. That's right. And as soon as I remember that, I, you know, and, and for us, like we have it's so much easier when I my mindset is okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna be engaged in this 
we do an hour. Yeah. You know, like it's right. an we come upstairs and it's just and it, and everything is so much smoother and easier the longer the mm-hmm. amount of time we have. Like the shorter it is, the worse it is That's to right. live with. Because they can feel you rushing through it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like they they see they they get what's going on, you know, and, and yeah. we often underestimate that. They they understand what's happening. Um, and you're right. When they're acting out like that, they're it's it's not just what they're acting out about, it's it goes deeper than that. So um, so you know, what can we do with them? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of again, one of the blog posts is on um adult coloring and, and kids coloring. Adult coloring is is huge right now and, yeah. and I I'm such a supporter of it because I think it's such a great way for adults to just, you know, calm, to, to bring that heart rate down and to calm down and to, um, to practice that mindfulness that, that helps us Mm -hmm. fall asleep better. Um, but take out your coloring book with your, you know, I'm, I'm a huge supporter of literacy, obviously, but it doesn't have to just be reading a bedtime story, maybe Mm -hmm. two or three nights you guys color together and, and while you're coloring, you can start asking those open-ended questions. Yes. Um, that we, you know, rather than how was school fine, what did you do today? Nothing, you know, uh, it, it gives you kind of that backdrop to, to open up that conversations that parents want to open up with their kids. Yeah. So, and I've worked with parents too, who are challenged by bedtime because they might be on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, with more than one child or um, or their kids are sharing a room and keeping each other up. Yeah. How do you support um, – what are some solutions that you've offered for parents in those kinds of um, situations? So I was a parent in that situation. You know, I have I have three kids. My youngest are twins. And how uh, old are they? Uh, my eldest is eight and my youngest, they'll be five in March. So, four. okay. So shout out to my friend, Pamela. We're talking to someone about sleep with twin four-year-olds, just like you. Share <laughs> <laughs> yeah, room, the twin share room. And, you know, when they were, uh, you know, my husband works some nights. Um, so yeah, I was often putting three kids to bed by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I was, I was in the trenches. Like I, I, yeah, I yeah. still am in the trenches sometimes, you know, so, so I get it. So it's just, you know, how I tell my parents is, okay, what is a routine that can work from you? Again, there's no cookie cutter routine. Yeah. yeah. So if you have multiple kids, you know, my twin parents, um, and you know, they'll say this to your friend too. I take bath time out of bedtime routine. And often bath time is included because it's, it's you know, promoted as a, a calming way to calm your child. And, and I get it. It's, it's great. But as a twin parent or as a parent with multiple kids trying to get everybody down at the same time, bath time can be a struggle. So if you have to fit bath time into another time during the day, that's fine. It doesn't have to be included in bedtime. So create a bedtime routine that works for your family. Do you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and, and once you're in it and you're doing it and it becomes kind of just a second skin, it's, mm-hmm. it's easy to do. So, you know, don't, again, there's no cookie cutter way to do it. Right. right. And what about when said twins might be waking each other in the middle of the night? Like, how do you, what is some support that you give to parents around that? I, I didn't ever really have a situation. I mean, when my kids woke in the night, they tended to just find their way into my room yeah. and fall asleep again. I didn't really have kids that would wake up and then be awake. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, getting down to, well, we have to get down to the main issues. Why are they waking up? Okay. okay? So is it fear-based? Is one waking up because, you know, they maybe, are they having nightmares? Are they scared of something? And then okay. because of that, waking up the other one, um, is it because they're overtired? So, you know, when we're dealing with um, four-year-olds, you know, mm-hmm. that age group, they're starting kindergarten, 
Um, you know, a lot of them are starting full day school when they're they're used to. I, I don't I don't know how this how it is in the states. I'm just talking really. Yeah, you know, Canada. That's when they start their full day everyday program. Um, and so a lot of these kids are going from being home all day, nap time, to boom, they're thrown into a classroom with 30 kids. They're there all day long. Like that's a huge transition for them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that really promotes an overtired um, body. So, you know, are they overtired? So, you know, do we need to work on uh, an earlier bedtime? Do we mm-hmm. need to work on, do we need to focus on sleep right now? Um, so, so work with why are the wakings happening? Um, and then to deal with the wakings, again, communication, talking to them about it. Um, I, I don't normally recommend splitting twins up mm-hmm. unless they absolutely have to, okay? I don't even recommend I'm, – I'm all about kids sharing a room. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's great. Um, so it's just – it's getting kind of to the root cause of why are they waking up. And normally once we kind of tackle that, the wakings tend to stop. Got and it. And again, it's, it's providing those boundaries and those limits too, right? So yeah. If they're ruling the show at two o'clock in the morning, mom and dad have to start ruling. I always tell my my parents of toddlers and and preschoolers who's training who, right? Yeah. And <laughs> normally they don't like the answer because they know the answer, and it's not the parents. So right. taking that control back, and it doesn't have to be in a dominating, aggressive, yelling manner. Um, but parents, kids need to know, like, hey, we don't wake up at two o'clock in the morning. Like yep. this, mom and dad don't. Um, you don't either, you know, but mm-hmm. they need to know that. Right. But I hear, I think the most powerful piece to that is getting underneath what's happening to that's right. why, how, what's the underlying issue that's going on and solving the problem there is exactly. then going to filter into the mischief that's happening. Yeah. So what about, we were talking, I was, you know, I have my own agenda Yeah. sometimes and I have a little, I have a sleepwalker. Okay. Um, and he, and, and one of my other, one of the parents wrote in too, that she has an 11 year old who is a bedwetter and okay. Ian, my boy, he gets up and his eyes are wide open and he's talking to me and I know he's asleep because typically he's scared or right. he, the last time he was like, I'm just sad. And what I do is I take him to the bathroom where he has a gigantic pee. Right. And so what what's what starts to happen? What are some issues that can rise to the surface in that eight to twelve year old age range? Yeah, so that eight to twelve year old age range is a big one, and mm-hmm. that's uh, you know I, I'm often getting questions from parents with nine and ten year olds saying you know what happened to my perfect sleeper? It it just kind of all went downhill. So, yeah. um, you know there could be a couple things if we look at you know, kind of the medical reasons, and I, I'm not saying that this is what's going on, but right. you know sometimes when we're seeing issues like. Um, consistent restless sleep, sleepwalking, bedwetting, um, we need to look at, do they possibly have sleep apnea? Like sleep apnea doesn't discriminate. Even kids could have it, mm-hmm. you know? So are they mouth breathers? Are they snores? Um, normally it's just a, you know, something that you can talk to your doctor about and then your doctor would then refer you to an ENT. So an ear, okay. nose and throat to check the tonsils and the adenoids. Okay. Um, that's not normally the case though. I'm just kind of, sure. I got to touch on it, but that's not normally the case. What can also happen is there's a lot of biological changes, right? So when yep. when our children go through puberty, and you know it doesn't necessarily happen at 10 or 11 years of age, but it's happening younger and younger. Oh, yeah, um, I think it's definitely happening nat- at our house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> For their sure. natural sleeper them shift, right? And when they release that melatonin, 
it, it, it happens later and later. So this is why there's a lot of talk about pushing out school times for teens later mm-hmm. or start times for school later, because biologically speaking, their body can't fall asleep until late at night. So now we're working with later bedtimes because that's just when they're falling asleep and they have to get super, you know, up super early in the morning and they're Mm -hmm. just, they're not getting the right amount of sleep. Even though their body's telling them to sleep later, they still need Mm -hmm. the right, the the same quantity of sleep. So there could be some biological issues that are going on. Um, Unpredictable routine and poor sleep environment for sure. So, you know, at that age, we're looking at an increase in homework, an increase in after school activities and sports. Bedtimes are getting pushed out later and later, um, overscheduling, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, at least everybody overtired and exhausted. Um, a lot of um, uh, technology. So, you yes. know, they've got their devices in their rooms. Um, you know, try and create that family docking station so that everyone can plug in overnight outside of their bedrooms. And it keeps that tech out, keep TVs out, even for parents. Um, so, so we're looking. Oh, I lost you. Alana. I can't hear you anymore. Oh, no. Oh, there you are. Woo. All right. <laughs> can you still hear me? I can hear you. You're back. Okay, perfect. Um, and then also at that age, we're dealing with, you know, there's a lot of social anxieties that start happening at that age. Um, a lot of fears, you know, fears become more realistic. They overhear our conversations and we're not just it's not just fearful about monsters anymore, but it's it's real life stuff mm-hmm. that start um, start those concerns. So again, getting down to the issues of of why they're waking. Um, so, so I get- you know, and I think that for for in my situation, you know, because he is eliminating so much from his body, you know, it's I think for us, it's also you know we really try to keep him from guzzling because he the kid guzzles water. Yeah. So it's enough. And for him, his, like I said, his body wakes up. It's very creepy. Um, But his body wakes up and he wanders in. But I know um, for some people, their kids are sleeping so hard. Right. And how, what kind of, and and they're sleeping so hard that their body isn't noticing that it needs to pee. Right. Well, and, but often it's, it's the opposite, right? So if the body's waking up, yeah. Um, to go to the bathroom. Okay. Um, that's also telling us that that they're not in that deep deep sleep. Oh. Okay. Right? So, so maybe body, it's not that they're sleeping heavy. It's that they're sleeping lighter. So that I mean, you know, it's it's all it's always again it's it's working with a couple of things. Coming back to are we dealing with something like sleep apnea or something like that? So it's always something to to talk to your doctor mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely. Just don't, not to say you have to go make out an appointment, but at your next. Check sure. in for your kids. It's always something to bring up to your doctor. Um, but are you practicing those consistency patterns? Mm-hmm. Um, so once we start making sure that child's going to bed at, at, at um, uh, an age-appropriate bedtime and getting that restorative sleep, mm-hmm. that helps promote them and get them into that deeper state of sleep, right? right. Um, do Again, just getting back to the fundamentals, bringing them back to a, a calming bedtime routine, mm-hmm. eliminating that technology watch what they eat and drink before bed. So I know you say he guzzles water, but try and put a limit on that. Yeah. Um, you know, after dinner, really just kind of cap that, yeah. you know, um, uh, making sure the environment is conducive to sleep. So are they sleeping in an environment that um, that is promoting mm-hmm. uh, proper sleep hygiene? Thank you. I know that that will be helpful that to many 
listeners. And so my last question is, I'm wondering, because I know that you you work with the whole family. So what are some of the biggest obstacles that show up for adults yes. for not getting the sleep they need? Because to be honest, I when my kids go to sleep, when I've said goodnight and walked away, I can look out into the night like, well, I mean, ultimately, I have like 10 solid hours. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm going to go to sleep at some point. But it's really exciting to know that I have all this time, hypothetically, ahead of me to just take care of myself. Yeah. And that gets me into trouble because I know I need – maybe it's a mindset shift because going to sleep is actually taking care of myself. (laughs) uh, Absolutely. And I mean, hey, I – you know, sometimes I don't practice what I preach Mm -hmm. because I think the same thing. It's like, okay, kids are in bed. I have, you know, I can catch up on work. I can, you know, catch up with my husband. I, I can, can watch Nashville. I can watch Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. So, so I, I totally get it. Um, but I think the biggest obstacles that adults have mm-hmm. is not understanding their own sleep needs, right? Yeah. Um, and the importance of practicing proper sleep hygiene. So proper sleep hygiene are the steps and practices to really promote healthy sleep. Um, and to ensure proper sleep health. So um, two of the most important steps, I think, would be to follow a consistent sleep pattern. So to try to go to bed and wake up at the same time. And that's hard for us mm-hmm. to do. Um, but it's it's a good habit to get into, even on the weekends, yeah. even during the holidays, um, to really make sure that we're going to bed at the same time and waking up around the same time uh, in the morning. Um, and then to remove electronics. Yes. I mean, that unfortunately Gosh. we just, we live in a, a, a really a sleep deprived society. Mm-hmm. Um, and a big part of that is because we are always connected. Um, and you know, sleep is one of the three pillars of health. We're looking at exercise, nutrition, and sleep. Yeah. Um, and you know, if I may be so bold because it's, it's kind of, it's what I do. Um, sleep is the foundation of the two. I think you're totally right. You know, and, and, but often what do we see, what do we hear, uh, with our friends talking about it? What do we see in our Facebook feeds? Oh, I started working out. I'm going to start this cleanse and this diet and this and that. Never do we see, I'm going to start sleeping more. I'm going to post that today, Elena. I'm going to start the revolution. That's right. It's, 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 unfortunately, it's always the last in our list of things to do. We totally take our sleep for granted. Um, and we don't realize that if we're not healthy, we are our families. We are a business, you know, I'm doing a lot more corporate lunch and learns mm-hmm. um, because employers are realizing that when their employees are, are, are not getting the, the kind of sleep they need, um, you know, they're, they're not as productive, yeah. they're not as efficient. Um, so we're our business's big, business, biggest assets, our, our family's biggest assets, and we need to start focusing on that. So we got to disconnect. we got to put down the technology. we got to get it out of our bedrooms. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Thank you so much for reminding me of all those things. It's so hard. Why is it so well, hard? That's it, right? There's, there's changes we have to make too, not just for yeah. our kids, which are hard to do, but we got to make our own changes, which is just as hard. For sure. For sure. Um, thank you so much for Thanks. coming on the show. This was really fun and really informative. Tell the listeners about the offers that you have through the website. Yes. Yeah, so we offer free 50-minute consultations awesome. uh, so that we can hear more about your family sleep concerns. So whether it's dealing with your kids or dealing with you, 
Um, and then we're able to explain our services and, and offer some tips and advice. And it's a great way to make sure uh, just that there's that connection uh, mm-hmm. between, you know, the consultant and, and you uh, before you work together. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And your website is goodnightsleepsite.com. Goodnightsleepsite.com. That's right. And where uh, else? Where else can they find you? They, you can find us all over social. So awesome. uh, Facebook, Good Night Sleep Site, um, Twitter and Instagram, we're GN Sleep Site. Um, and we also have a YouTube channel as well. Oh, cool. Sleep Site Inc. So we're all over the place. Wow. Thank you. And one last thing. So you had mentioned on the website that you, so there's resources for parents as far as breaking it down by age and like some of the things you talked about around age-appropriate bedtime and age-appropriate steps to be taking. They can find a lot of that on your website, yeah? Yeah, they can find that all on our blogs. Um, Each of our consultants has their own blogs too, so you can get through to their sites all on um, our national site, so goodnightsleepsite.com. And uh, you can also get to uh, bring back bedtime, um, and there'll be even more resources on that as well. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me, Casey. All right. So there you go. Alana McGinn. Isn't she so awesome? Check the show notes for all the links that were mentioned in the show for how to um, find and follow Alana and her work. Um, also remember to subscribe through iTunes next week, Thursday, week from Thursday, Thanksgiving is the contest. The contest begins. You want joyful courage swag. You want it. It's cool. You'll like it. And I want to say that I'm going to end the show with a new little piece, a new little goodbye. I want to do some shout outs to some mamas that I know who listen and give feedback and I just love them and appreciate them and want to honor the work that they do in their own family with their kids and in our community. So a big shout out to Gavin's mom, Amy, in New York State. Love you, girl. Grace Nelson, Carter Blake, and Levi's mom, Loretta, here in Monroe. Zoe and Harper's mom, Ashley, in Seattle. Janice in Michigan. Amy in Boston. And Carissa in Chicago. Thank you. Thank you for being so engaged in the community and always offering me so much good feedback and support. So I'm going to start ending the show with shout outs to people in the community. If you are thinking like, what? What community? I want you to know that if you're on Facebook, we have a really great uh, group. It's called Live and Love with Joyful Courage. And it's a place where we can support each other and laugh and cry and do whatever we need to do because this is a collective journey. And we need we need our brothers and sisters who are also walking the path of parenting in a way that is effective and helpful and loving and compassionate. So join the tribe. And I'll see you there. Have a great, great day. Thank you so much for listening. Big, huge love to each and every one of you today and every day. Bye. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? 
That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact invented. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talked to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it.